And today I want to talk about communicate, reaching those that you love the most and the way that you use your words and what your words are conveying in the midst of all that you're trying to do when you're reaching to other people. And so I want to share with you today a few different things from a little different perspective. In some ways, this is kind of a continuation of the message series, the rising message series that we're just kind of coming out of, and then going into a new one over the next three weeks. I want to talk a little bit about communication today, a little bit about that with you. While the kids are not in here, but not anything bad or necessarily that, but maybe a little more focused towards those who are married and that kind of thing, but not just for them. And then in the next couple of weeks, I want to talk a little bit about how your kids can communicate with you and you with your kids, and just a lot of different ways that we can do a little bit better in the area of our communication. So let's go to our next slide, and you'll recognize this one from our past series where we talked about how we can maybe set goals for what we we want to get or what we want to do, but the most effective ones are where we say, you know what, I want to revamp from all the way at the very core and the inside out happens for us. So the truth is, is that if you really want to be a person who sees a big change in your life, you talk about who you are. I am a person who connects and communicates with the people that I love, not just simply, you know, I have a goal to do this thing or that thing or whatever it might be. And I want to just make sure that you understand this is who you can decide to be. You do not have the situation where you're born with good communication or born with bad communication. It is a skill, and any skill in the world can be learned. So you're not born with it. You learn it, and you practice it, and you get better at it. And the more that you do, the more effective you're going to be not only in your relationships at home, but also in your job. And just stop for a second. Go. We talked last week about your job and how powerful and how important that is. And the truth be told, I have a feeling that most of the people who are at the top of the food chain in most of your jobs are people who you could say, you know what, they have a kind of a good way of communicating and a way of connecting with people in some way, shape, or form. So it's a good thing uh, to improve these skills. Let's go to our next slide here. And this is a book that was actually given to me by Peter Robinson. You guys know him. And uh, he's a part of our church body, but just kind of extended as they're starting a church over in Shiner. But he gave me this book and he said, you got to read this. This is an incredible, amazing book. And so if you're interested in that, it's called Crucial Conversations, Tools for Talking When Stakes Are High. It is about a six minute audio book. No, no. <laughs> Hold on. It's a little longer than six minutes. It's six hours. I'm sorry. I don't know why I said minutes, but uh, six our audiobook. So it's not necessarily uh, something that you can't handle, but it does talk about crucial conversations and what those things are. And basically they identify a crucial conversation is one that is defined as it has opinions that vary, it has stakes that are high, and it has emotions that run strong. Now stop for just a second and think about this. At work, you've had crucial conversations. Maybe you opted out of them and said, nope, want to keep the job because I don't want to get involved in that. So I'll keep my mouth shut. I'll keep my job. Thank you very much. Or maybe thinking about this at home where you say, oh man, things have been decent for the last couple of weeks. I do not want to rock this boat. I have something I want to say, but I don't want to rock this boat because it's going too well, going down the road. I don't want to make waves, right? 
And so these are things that can be impacted as we talk about crucial conversations. And I want to just think about this that we've already talked about, and I'm going to get back to John chapter 1 in just a moment. But let me share a couple of quotes. I've shared this one. Now here's another. Here is our audacious claim, the law of crucial conversations. And here's the thing that they're claiming, that at the heart of almost all chronic problems in our organizations, our teams, and our relationships, and on and on, they lack crucial conversations, ones that we are not holding or not holding well. And if you really think about that, it is powerful to think about how much your communication or lack of communication is doing to make sure you're going down the right path or taking you down the wrong path. Let's go to our next slide. Here's the one to remember, and it's one that Paul read. And thank you, Paul. Great job. It said, in the beginning was the... Can you guys read that capitalized word? In the beginning was the... And the... Was with God. And the... Was God. And the became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the one, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. That's from 1 John chapter 1 verse 1 and 1 John chapter 1 verse 14. This is one you can remember if you want to kind of just simply put this in your memory banks and share if you're interested in memorizing scripture. This is a great one to remember. But notice how many times it has that word Word. Are any of y'all old enough to remember when somebody would go, oh, word? Did any of y'all? It's come back. Did y'all know that? That, that has come back. And so uh, I had one of these young people tell me, oh, word? I was like, hey, hold on. I remember that from back in the 80s. Like, that's how old that phrase is. Yes. The word became flesh. Now, I want to talk about that word because when we think of a word, we think of something in a sentence we think of something small. It just kind of conveys that thing that it's speaking of, whatever that word is, that's all that it means. But this particular word is different. It is the word logos in Greek. And I think I've got a, something to uh, learn on the next slide. When John describes Jesus as the word, he uses that Greek word logos. It simply does not mean word as we know it in modern English. Instead, it meant the divine reason implicit in the cosmos, ordering it and giving it form and giving it meaning. Also, it hearkened back to when God spoke into the void, creating the heavens and the earth with no more than a, what? Word from him, all the way back to Genesis. In other words, when John wrote, the word was with God and the word was God, he is telling us this, and follow along. He's telling us that God said, if I could only give you one thing to know, I'm going to give you the word in form of human flesh. I'm going to show you eternity, and you'll catch a glimpse of eternity and its values and its importance and all of the things that I would love to share with you that you probably can't comprehend. All you've got to do is look at this baby that I've sent who became the man that we know as Jesus Christ of Nazareth and watch his walk, watch his life. That is God's word to you. It is everything that you would need to know about God. 
This is what is beautiful about Jesus. If you think, well, I wonder what God's like. I'll tell you what he's like. Look at Jesus. That's it. That's all you have to do. You just simply say, I wonder what God values. Look at what Jesus valued. I wonder what God doesn't actually really put at the highest priority. Look at what Jesus didn't get involved in. And you'll see real quick what God is saying because he's saying, you want to hear my infinite word from beginning to end? It's just this. Look at Jesus. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And by the way, the word was God. That's how we know who God is. And it's a beautiful thing, and it's a powerful thing. It shows, it shows us and it tells us that Jesus was preexistent before he came in that form of a baby, and it's so important. And don't miss this. Let's go to our next slide. Don't miss this. Every time you speak, you are exercising the power of creation in what you say or what you do not say. You help define what others think, what they believe, what they understand about you. Communication is an incredibly powerful tool. Use it wisely and carefully. Have you guys ever really thought about that? Have you ever really thought about you speaking into your kids the things that they will begin to think about themselves? Can I tell you something? It's a strange thing to see... uh, if you got little kids, all you can see is the next diaper, right? I mean, it's, it's like you're living diaper change to diaper change. Can I get an amen from somebody who's got a baby? You know what I'm talking about. And so, like, when you have that short of a span, you can't really see the end result. And as they get a little older, you know, it's a potty visit to potty visit or whatever. Or then it's week to week in kindergarten. And then it goes and it's week to week or month to month as we go, you know, and they're driving on their own. My youngest is just a handful of days away from being 22 years old. And so here's what I will say. The most gratifying thing that has happened in our lives outside of some of the things, you know, I guess in my family life, one of the most gratifying things that's happened in my family life is to see the things that we said to our girls, 27, 26, 22 years old now, come right back out of their mouth and telling us, because for years, and even at times for decades, we wondered, are we saying anything that's actually getting through? Is this going to matter? Are they going to remember? Is this going to affect their path? Can I tell you, be faithful to do the things that you know to do, because it will come back to you as you sow it into your kids, and as you talk about it and speak it into your grandchildren, it is a powerful thing that you have to use wisely and carefully. If you see your children going in a direction that you don't want them to go, start speaking into them in a different way. doesn't mean that you come in and you're like, you know what, I'm here to preach to you, you know, because normally that's not going to work. Because that, that's my thing, y'all. It doesn't work for anybody. I'm kidding. It might not even be working today. I don't know. I hope it is. But what I'm saying is we can't preach to our kids. And by the way, even the preacher, when he was at home, didn't preach to his kids. I connected with them and I talked with them and I visited with them and I communicated with them. And as I did, I didn't know for years and even decades if it was mattering or if it was being heard, much less if it was being internalized. And one of the most incredibly gratifying things to see is that years and decades later, they start sounding a lot more and more like my wife. And they sound like her when she's saying, this is who you are. 
This is what you're capable of. This is what you can do. This is what God is doing in you. This is how God has gifted you. And on and on and on. And she's pouring into my kids and they're telling it back to us. You know, I think I'm, I have a gift in this area. And we're like, yeah, we told you that when you were six years old. Man, I, I, I promise I didn't actually want to get sidetracked here. But I'm telling you, it's super important. Don't give up. Keep speaking truth and goodness into your kids. It is so important. You have to use the words that you're pouring into your kids wisely and, what's that last word? Carefully. Be careful. Here's what we know. We talk about the wisdom of what we say. Let's go to our next slide. The book of Proverbs, this is another something to learn. The book of Proverbs has 12 passages of scripture that include the word tongue. And of these, at least half of them are warning of how we should keep our tongues under control, especially when we have negative things to say. So in other words, be very careful of what you're saying. But there are an additional 29 times that the book of Proverbs uses the word words. Clearly, God is telling us to choose wisely how we communicate with other people. It's an important thing. So let's take a look at some of these examples. In the chapter 18, verse 21, it says, The tongue has the power of life and death. Chapter 12, verse 18 in Proverbs says, Reckless words pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. What about 15.1? The soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. What about chapter 16, verse 24? Gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. You have the power to speak into your kids in a powerful, powerful way, in powerful, powerful moments. Don't throw it away and don't think that it doesn't matter because you are creating something in them. You just have to be faithful and you have to keep doing it even when you don't see the results. I have a feeling you guys are with me. Y'all got it. If y'all got it, can you get an amen right now? Amen. Okay. So that's your cue to tell me, keep moving. All right. So I'm going to keep moving. All right. Let's go to our next slide here. This is something that was told in the book. Any of y'all get a little moment of panic right there? Any of y'all a little nervous about that? Hey, I've got... I've got nurses in the house. I've got at least a few nurses in the house. And uh, so as we're talking about this, I want to share a story from this Crucial Conversations book and to tell you how important it is, not just for you to not speak when you have negative things to say, but when you have something that you need to say, you need to be the one who speaks up. True story. Very short, very memorable, very powerful. True story. There was a woman who checked into the hospital to have her tonsils taken out. She instead ended up, after surgery, having part of her foot removed. Now, this is bad, and I don't want y'all to freak out because I think that the medical system in our country is very, very, very good. It's a little broken with the insurance thing, but it is a very good system. You get good care. And so here's what I want to share with you. The really important part is there were people that knew that she was in there for the tonsils, but the doctor was convinced that it was her foot. So she got the wrong thing happening because there were people that saw and didn't speak up. Y'all ready? Seven people who knew that they were doing the wrong thing but did not say something 
when they should have done it. Now, how many of y'all, does that freak you out a little bit? <laughs> I thank God for Sharpies. Have y'all done that? Have y'all done the surgery? Like where they're like, okay, what are we doing today? And you're like, right here, ma'am, right here. You're like, yes, make sure. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Somebody y'all had a hip replaced and you're like, right here, my hip don't lie. Exactly, exactly. Oh, come on, y'all. Look, I'm a pastor, not a comedian. It's not going to get better than that. All right, here we go. Let's keep going. Let's keep moving to our next slide. We must use our words to communicate and connect with others. This is what I'm sharing with you guys. We have to communicate. We have to connect. And in that passage of scripture that we heard from Paul as he read that passage, this is important. Did you hear? He said, he came to his own, and his own didn't receive him, but to those who did receive him, to those he gave power to become the sons and the children of God. Did you hear that part? Here's what we see. We see that we are not responsible for what happens after we are faithful. In other words, we have to share what we know, and we have to do our very dead level best to connect but we cannot control other people's response. And here's how we know that. Jesus was perfect. He was the perfect sinless son of God. And he was communicating with people and trying to connect with them. He was walking among people who were his own people that he had created. And yet they did not receive him. They did not welcome him in. So for you and for me, we're so worried constantly about how we're doing and if we're connecting or if we're not. Ultimately, you have to say what you know to say, what you know to be right. You have to do your best to say it in a way that connects you with people. But ultimately, it is not your responsibility with what they do with that. It is your responsibility to communicate and connect with others. That's where our responsibility lies. So real quickly, once again, would you guys read this with me on the count of three? Ready? One, two, three. We must use our words to communicate and connect with others. That's what we're called to do. Let's go to our next slide. The biggest single problem in communication is the illusion that it has taken place. That's what George Bernard Shaw has said. And here is what I believe he's meaning, that sometimes we think we're communicating and people are understanding fully what we're doing and what we're saying and why we're saying what we're saying, and it just isn't really landing with them or making that connection with them. And so we got to be very careful that if we're not reaching the ends, if we're not creating things in our lives that we want to be creating, then we need to examine, are we doing the right thing. And I mean, I could go so far down this road, but let's just suffice it to say, if you don't speak the language, then you don't know what they are talking about. And so it is my job. It is my job to speak my kids' language, not make them speak mine. It is my job to speak our language of our society, not to change society so they speak mine, the one that I prefer. It is my job to connect and to communicate in our world, and it is your job to do the same. 
At work, you can rail against the system all you want, but if you're not connecting and communicating with the people, that won't change unless you learn that language, unless you go out of your box and begin to make sure that communication is actually taking place and landing where you're trying to land it. Let's go to our next slide. (laughs) This is so important, and I I don't hardly ever do this, but I'm going to quote the Dalai Lama here, believe it or not. He said, whether one believes in a religion or not, and whether one believes in rebirth or not, there isn't anyone who doesn't appreciate kindness and compassion. In other words, whenever I say you have to connect, here's what we know. (laughs) How many of you guys have figured out that it is a whole lot better to eat a candy bar than it is to eat a stick of broccoli? I mean, it's better, but it's not better for you, right? You all know the difference, right? Well, here's the thing. For most of us, the older that we get, the more we want to hand somebody a stick of broccoli. And the younger that the people are, the more they want a candy bar. (laughs) So if you're going to connect and communicate with people, you can't demand, you have to like broccoli. You have to say, you know what? I'm going to speak the language that you speak. This is why I text my daughters instead of call them. You know why? Because they don't answer their phones, but they will answer their texts, right? It's, it's the craziest thing. If you've ever looked at your kid's uh, fo- so, cell phone bill, it's like, like four calls in a month and like 45,000 texts or messages or whatever it is, right? And so we speak their language because we are coming to them. You know why? Because we emulate Christ and Christ didn't say, you guys have got to be holier so you can come to me. He said, I'm going to put on this sinful flesh and I'm going to walk among you and I'm going to have every temptation that you had. The word became flesh and it dwelt among us. And that's how we saw that it is possible to live a victorious life because Jesus did. And if Jesus did, then he can help me do the same. All right, let's keep moving here very quickly. All right. So let's talk about how we look at the communication word and what it means. Commune, a place where people live together. Common, things belonging to all and shared. Communion, participating in something together. All of these are from the same word as communication. So that means that you and I, when we talk about being really good at communication, we say, well, it's because I'm really good at saying words and the right words and the funny words and all these different things. When the truth is, is that real communication doesn't demand those things. It demands that you connect that what you're trying to say, they understand. What you're trying to convey to them, they get it. It's communion. It's common. It's common knowledge. It's the common bond. It's a commune where you live in the same place emotionally. That's what communication is all about. Let's go to our next slide. So real quickly, you might be saying, I understand, but I'm not really good at doing the communication when things get hard. And I'm going to tell you, This is all of us. None of us are really, really good at being communicative whenever we're frustrated or angry or whenever we're aggravated. And whenever we're aggravated or frustrated or angry, we usually get shorter and rougher and less sweet. And it's harder and harder for people to listen because nobody likes to listen to those kinds of things. But Jesus had a way 
Jesus did hard conversations. And this is important. These are just the ones in the book of John. What about when Nicodemus was there visiting Jesus at night? He said, are you kidding me? All right, the New Texas version is coming out in all of these things. Here we come, okay? Nicodemus, he's like, are you kidding me? You're Israel's teacher, and I talk to you about being born again, and you don't understand? How can you teach other people if you don't understand? That sounds like a hard conversation, doesn't it? What about whenever he was with the woman at the well, and he looked at her, and he said, go call your husband. And she said, I don't have a husband. He said, yeah, you're right. You've actually had five husbands, and the man that you're with now is not even your husband. You're right that you said you don't have a husband. That sounds like a really, really hard conversation. Can I get an amen? Right? I don't want to touch that one with a 10-foot pole. Jesus did. Jesus talked to Mary and Martha when they looked at him and they said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. That's a hard conversation. And they were right. And Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. It happened in John 11. And John 11 tells us that Mary and Martha, (laughs) they loved Jesus and that he loved them. They had to have a hard conversation. What about Peter in John chapter 13 when Jesus looked right at him and he said, you think you're going to go to your death before you deny me? I promise you before the rooster even crows tomorrow, you're going to deny me three times. That's a hard conversation. What about when Peter is there at the fire in John 21 next to the shoreline and he says, Peter, do you love me? That's a hard conversation. After his denial, he asks him three times just in case he missed the significance of the denial three times and the ask him three times, are you sure you love me? It's a hard conversation. But listen, listen, listen. Don't miss this. This is the next slide. If you go to this next one, you'll see something. Every person that Jesus had a hard conversation with later would declare him to be the sinless son of God. How is that possible? Now, I will tell you, at the Puckett household, whenever we have a hard conversation, most of the time, Shelly does not declare me to be sinless, even in that conversation. Can I get an amen on that, right? I mean, no, that's not the feeling. Worship is not usually the feeling. Every one of these people, after Jesus had a hard conversation with them, They worshiped him as the sinless son of God, and some even laid down their life before they would deny him. There was not even a trace of bitterness in the midst of it all. How is that even possible? Well, for one thing, he's Jesus. He's not us, but he does have some things to teach us in this vein. So let's talk about it as we go on. Let's go to the next slide here. How do we communicate well? I would just say this. First of all, sorry, sorry, sorry about the bad spacing. Uh, Sorry about the bad spacing. Um, So let's start with number one, even though the bad spacing is going on. Make the emotional bank deposit now. Make the emotional bank deposit now. In other words, when you're not in a frustrating conversation, when you're not pumped up with adrenaline because you're so frustrated, when you're not in this heated moment, make a deposit Baby, you look good today. Man, I'm so proud of you, sweetie. I think you are one of the smartest kids I've ever seen. You know what? When I was your age, you are so far beyond what I was. I don't know how you even deal with the things that you're dealing with at school. Don't come to me for homework because you're about smarter than I am, and you're eight years old, and I'm 48 years old, right? All of these are emotional bank account 
deposits. Make them now, not in the midst of the frustration. You guys understand what I'm saying? All right, so let's go to our next slide very quickly. You got to start with heart. You never stop reminding yourself what you really, really want. Now, here is where it gets kind of messy because the truth is, is that what we really, really want is things like a great relationship with our spouse. But then our spouse says something that sends us off the rails. I'm, I love teaching this message today because Shelly is in Michigan. She can't reach me when I get home. Like, she can't reach me. So here's what I know. <laughs> this happens in the Puckett household. We want to have a civilized conversation. Then one of us says one of those words that we shouldn't say. I'm not talking about bad words. I'm just talking about words that triggers one of us. And then it's a little hotter and a little hotter and a little hotter, and then suddenly you've got a full-blown heat wave going on in your conversation, or is it just me? All right, I heard a few laughs, so it's not just me. Well, you have to start with heart, reminding yourself what you really, really want, and I'm going to be flat-out honest, bone-level honest with you right now. This is usually what takes me hours to get to, where I come back and I go, Ugh so frustrated right now. But what I don't want is I don't want to lose days of us being on a different page because it's just not worth it. What's really most important is, babe, you and I, we're going through this life together and it's just not worth it for us to be arguing about stupid stuff when there is really important stuff going on in our lives. And if we're going to disagree, let's disagree about something important, not something ridiculous. Can I get an amen on that, right? I mean, that's what happens. And a lot of the time, I wish I had been that spot, that bone level honest about three hours before when I was so busy getting wrapped up in trying to win or have the last word. Have the last what? Word. All right, let's keep moving. Let's keep going. Okay, very quickly, this is what I'm talking about. All right, in the book. All right, hang with me. You're going to get there in just a second. In that book, Crucial Conversations, that was up here in the middle screen just a few moments ago, the ladies' room, I've just put this up here so you would remember. Here's what happened. In the book, they tell a great story, and in that great story, he says, he says, there were uh, two daughters, and they were desperate to use the bathroom. They'd been at Disneyland all day and they wanted to get in and use the restroom because they drunk about a gallon of Coke a piece, right? You guys with me? Y'all have had that experience? And so one of them said, I'm going first. The other one said, no, you're not. And the other one said, yes, I am because I got to go really bad. And, they, and the other one said, well, I got to go really bad too. And so they went back and forth and back and forth. And guess how many minutes elapsed before the first flush happens? 25 minutes. How many times could they have used the restroom in that time had they just decided, you know what, let's forget all this other stuff. It's not about winning. I'm going to make sure that we get to what's important. So when you ask yourself what is really, really important, guess what you do? You get out of that fight or flight or freeze moment and you begin to communicate. You begin to think with your head and not with your adrenal glands. It's really important. 
All right, let's keep moving. And I'm, and I'm aware of the time, and I'm going to move so quickly. We're going to resist that fight, flight, or freeze impulse in that way. And then let's go to this next slide very quickly. We reject the fool's belief that it is either or. Did you know that it's not always either or? It's not always either this or that, either peace or I talk about this. Let's go to our next slide. There's some either ors that we talk about here. And uh, either win or lose or either peace or conflict or get results or keep the relationship. That's not what it is. There's more options than those. The fool believes there's one or two, but there are and (laughs) rather than either or. Let's go to our next slide very quickly. Think about this. At that very last line, the only son came from the father and he was full of grace and he was full of he was full of grace and he was full of truth. If you want your children to be what you want them to be as they grow, you will treat them as people where you never turn down the grace but you never stop sharing the truth. For most of us, we want to go too far on one side and not on the other. We want to go all grace and keep the peace. Or we want to go all truth and make sure they're on the right path. Jesus did not choose. It was not either or. It was both and. He is full of grace and he is full of truth. That's why he could have hard conversations with the woman at the well and say, I know where you are, but you don't have to stay there. Full of grace and full of truth. Let's go to our next slide. And we're coming. Okay, yes, I made a big deal about this. Here's why. Here's why. I did this on purpose and I separated those two because the bottom three things are all when you're in the moment. And you and I are going to be bad about doing these things in the moment because when we're in the moment, we get wrapped up in the moment, right? But what can you do right now that prevents you from having those moments or making such a terrible situation because you don't have any common ground? Here's what you can do before those moments even get started or even can be seen from where you are. You make an emotional bank deposit in your wife, in your husband, in your kids, in your parents, in your friends, in your boss. Yeah, you can even do that for your boss. And you just keep doing those things right now, not later when you're in the moment where you can't seem to get yourself out of it. All right. So very quickly, here's a big question and here's how we apply it. And then I've got a movie for us to share. What message are you sending to others when you communicate or don't communicate with them? That's a big question, and you have to decide. And don't tell me what you hope for or what you want. Tell me what result you're getting, because that will tell you if you're making a connection or if you're not. Let's go to our next slide very quickly. You apply in this way. You write in the person or maybe two people that you need to reach, and then you commit to texting them or sending them a video or talking to them, or calling them, or whatever it might be. That's how you make this a real thing. Not just theoretical, not just, hey, I can be better at communication, but you go out and you practice by bridging the gap to that person that you know you're at odds with. And in the midst of all of that, you communicate and you connect with them because that's what God has called us to do. And it's also what he modeled for us, that we can be both full of grace, and we can also be full of truth. Let's check out this video. 
I messed up. So, I told her, you got a mirror, you can see what you look like in those jeans. Oh. So, anyway, I don't know what to do. You just talk to her. And tell her what? You tell her how you feel. I did. I told her, I feel like you look like your mother. Okay, no, you, you need to use your words. You know, romantic words. Oh. Wait, what? Okay, um, honey, uh, you, you take your wife by her hands and you just pour into her. Wait, 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 wait. Am I holding her hands or am I pouring something? I, I can't do both. What? No. Todd, you are going to pour words into your wife. You look her in the eyes, dead set, and you just let go. Because that's what she does to you, Todd. She makes you let go. And you say to her, you mean everything to me. And I would let go of everything if it means that I just get to hold you for the rest of my life. And that's what you do. What are you doing? I'm calling my wife, and you are going to tell me some pretty words to say to her. We are not doing this. Hey, babe. No, 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 don't hang up, don't hang up. Um, I was an idiot, and I know you said some things too. You shouldn't have. You don't say that. I'm sorry, that's not what I meant. I meant I have some things to say to you right now. No. While we're on the phone. Stop it. Just listen. She said I have two minutes. What do I say? What do I say? I'm sorry. For what? Don't you tell her that. I'm sorry. Babe? She's still there. I can hear her breathing. Tell her I love you and you mean everything to me and I am a fool because I don't tell you that more often. Um, I'm a fool for loving you and I should say that stuff more often. You are the only reason I am half the man I am. Your love and constant support is my daily breath. I'm half the man I am because of you, and your love is a constraint. Constant support. No, I'm sorry. Oh, no, your love is constantly on my breath, daily. Daily. You are the greatest blessing God has ever given me, and you are perfect for me. Babe, you're the you're the best thing God ever did for me. You're perfect. Uh, for me, you're perfect. You're, you're not perfect. What are you doing? Just tell me what to say. Sunsets are more beautiful when you are on the horizon. Um, you're more beautiful at sunset on the horizon. Totally worked. Babe, I'm gone in 60 seconds. What a moron. You 
were great. I know, right? The words you said, I, I heard. I had no idea. Seriously? You had no idea that some women fall for that stuff? <laughs> I'm just glad you're not that gullible. By the way, what's for dinner? I've messed up. Use your words, my friend. Use those words. <laughs> I thought you guys might get a kick out of that one, and it's a good place for us to end. Thank you guys so much for your time and for your attention. I want to encourage you, don't forget, go out there, communicate and connect with those who are closest to you. It is what God it will help you to do and is what he's called you to do. Heavenly Father, take your words to us and may they be something that brings life and healing and hope to those who need it most, especially those who are closest to us. We love you, Lord. We thank you for this time around your word. We look forward to learning more next week as you teach us and as we become more like you. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody together said, amen. May God bless you guys as you go your way. Love y'all. Y'all be careful out there. Y'all have a great Valentine's Day. All right. And uh, don't do anything I wouldn't do. All right. So you guys have a great time. Enjoy yourselves. And as you go your separate ways, we're going to end the way we always do. We've just heard God's word. Now let's go live it. God bless y'all. Love you. Y'all have a great week.